0: So this, this parable is a little tricky, um, and I think it's actually a good, it's, it, it can be a good reminder for us. So a lot of times, you know, if we, when we talk about how Jesus spoke to us in parables, how he taught in parables, I think sometimes we can, we can have this mentality of, you know, like, why does, he, why does he teach in parables? Well, it's because he wants, he wants us to have an easier time understanding him. Uh, this I think is something you hear pretty often. You know, he speaks in these nice stories so that you know we can pull the moral of the story out of out of what he said. You know, similar to like if you're you know listening to uh, a fairy tale that we you know Goldilocks or uh, you know watching any Disney movie you know something like that, where it's just like oh yeah, the, the lesson of the story is you know just you just pull it right out. And I, I think I think actually what we find in Scripture is something a little bit different, maybe a lot different actually. Like this this parable. There's, there's not an easy-to-pull-out lesson or moral of the story. Uh, and in fact, a lot of times in parables, uh, you know, we, we hear them a lot, and so we, we can think that we understand them really well, but but really a lot of times in the parables, there's, there's oftentimes something of a twist to the story that we wouldn't expect, and that especially the people of Jesus' time, it would have been unexpected and, and unconventional for him to teach in this way. Sometimes, yes, the parables are, are ways for us that we can... Easily see something that Jesus is is teaching that that we can easily learn some lesson from him But a lot of times a parables also have kind of beneath the surface something Deeper that's hidden, right? So they both reveal something about what he's teaching but then they also conceal something about him that that is it's meant to sort of lead us into a deeper sort of like wrestling with the text, right? So that, that, that we sit down and we recognize in some ways, you know, we recognize, okay, I, I can't quite figure this out. And so I need, to, I need to really think about it and turn it over in my mind, which is actually like, this is what it is to be human, right? Jesus, our, our, the Father, creates us as rational creatures. We're made to think critically about things. And, and if we're, if we 're not really thinking critically about things, right if, if, if all of the stories that we ever hear are just sort of easy things that we don 't have to think about then we're actually we 're missing out on a really big key part of what it is to be human so, so you, you' better believe that when Jesus is teaching he 's going to teach in a way that engages our intellect, that engages our mind, and forces us to really sit down and think, and sometimes even as we wrestle and think through the text, to, to realize, like, I don't, I don't know that I can figure this one out. And so what I need to recognize, maybe first and foremost, is my, my utter poverty before God, where I just, I have to come to, to God or I have to sit at the feet of Jesus and I just have to say, I, I'm not going to be able to figure this one out, Lord. I need your help. I need your insights. I need your mind, which is actually... I'm, this, this really incredible thing. Um, you know, like, we know that God is far above us, right? He's, he's so, his, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Scripture tells us this, that he, he thinks differently than we do. And many times, he takes what we think and he, like, flips it upside down. And, and it, he just reveals how, how completely different he is. And so, and so for us, there's this invitation, right? It's, it's to try to think like God thinks. Because it's not just that he thinks differently and that we happen to be his favorite creatures, that's true, but, but being his favorite creatures, he actually invites us upward. Like This is, this is the incredible gift of, of what Jesus is or who he is, is that he became man, he took on our human nature so that our human nature could have the opportunity to become elevated, to become like God, The scriptures reveal this, that that he invites us to share in the divine nature. So so it's not just a matter of like, okay, well, God thinks up here and I think down here. And, you know, sometimes I read the Bible and it doesn't make sense. So, you know, I guess I'll just set it aside and maybe I'll pick up something else. No, but instead, like there's this grand invitation from Jesus to come up to his level with his help, of course, right? We can't do it on our own, but, but nonetheless, he provides for us the avenues that we can use to come up to His level to actually begin to think like Him. It's this, this incredibly beautiful thing, but 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 for us to get there, it kind of begins with this recognition that, that we're poor. Which actually, this, this got my, it's not necessarily connected, but this got my attention uh, during our psalm response uh, at, the, at the first mass I had, and, and now it continues to catch my attention. What is the response? Praise the Lord who lifts up the poor. I just think about this, like, how many of us, probably all of us, whether sitting in this church or, or all of us in the world, like so many of us, we make it our goal to become rich and wealthy. Right? Like who wouldn't mind having a few more dollars in your bank account or a lot more dollars in your bank account, whether it's so that you can travel or, or buy whatever you want or, or have everything you need or give more away, whatever it is, like who of us wouldn't mind having more money? And yet, what, is, what does the scripture say? Praise the Lord who lifts up the poor. You see this, like, it's just so, it's so, it's so different than how we typically think. Like, God, God comes and he just, he flips upside down. The the sort of natural way of human thinking. And if this is the case, and if it's the case, brothers and sisters, that you and I are invited up to God's level to think like him, then maybe that means that we actually ought to think about the world in a more critical kind of way. You know, how many of us can just kind of go with the flow and do like, well, this is what everybody does, and so I'm going to do this. Instead, it's like, no, actually, if I find something that everybody does, maybe, maybe it's not necessarily bad, but maybe there's an invitation there for me to pause and to think a bit more critically about it and say, maybe this isn't the way to go because I don't want to think like everyone else thinks. I want to actually think like God does. It's, it's this incredible thing. Okay, so now with that in mind, right, that was a really long introduction, uh, but, but with that in mind, I think, I think we can learn something from this parable. So I'm not, I'm not even going to try to, to give an answer to the parable of like, what does this mean that's going to be satisfactory? Because I don't think, I'm not sure that it's possible, at least not right now. But, but I think we can still learn something from it. We can pull something out of it. And it really, it just comes from the first few lines. Right, So, a rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, what is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship. So, so this rich man is an image of God, the Father. Right, he, is, he is, if ever there was a rich man, if ever there was someone who had abundant wealth, it is God. Right? He creates everything. And when he creates everything, he does it without effort. It costs him Nothing. God creates. Everything that exists comes from him, and it comes from him freely and without effort. He breathes and stars come into existence. Stars, by the way, which are millions and billions of times bigger than our planet. Right? He just does this. If ever there was a rich man, an image of this, it would be God the Father. Right? And so this is what he's talking about. So now he's, he's coming to this steward. right? So what's a steward? A steward is someone who's in charge of the rich man's property. So this is the question. Who's in charge of God's property? Who are his stewards? Well, it's you and me. Right? God, as his favorite creatures, he entrusts us with his property. And so you and I, we're, we're not, you know, like, again, this kind of flies in the face of what we typically talk about in America. That is, we can become a self-made man or a self-made woman. You know, if I just, if I just work hard and, and try hard enough, then I can, I can accomplish what I want to accomplish on my own. When, in fact, what Scripture challenges us to see is that everything that exists, it actually belongs to God. Everything in your life doesn't come from you, but it comes first from God. Yes, we have to, you know, we have to cooperate with His grace, absolutely, but nonetheless, to see this as, th- as though like everything in my life, including my life, doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to God. And so I need to care for what belongs to God like it actually does belong to him, right? This is, this is the, big, the big sort of debate, you know, like with, with abortion, right? Like, who are you to tell me what I can do with my body? This is my body, and so this is my choice. When in fact, what we're saying is, actually, it's not your body, it's God's. Not to mention the body that's inside of you. That person doesn't belong to you, but it belongs first to God, Right this is this is the, the big challenge of scripture is to see things from this higher perspective. Yeah. And so for us right we got to we got to kind of get back 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 to this. So then there's this question of how are you as a steward of your life and of your possessions? Are you treating them, are you approaching your life and your possessions from this perspective that, well, they don't belong to me, and so as I interact with the world, as I live my life, as I use my things, as I spend my money, as I engage in conversations and relationships with people, am I doing this from a worldly, fleshly perspective that says, well, this is mine, and so I can do what I want with it? Or am I coming from this next level perspective that says, this doesn't belong to me. And so I need to ask, how does God want me to use this? How does God want me to use my life? How does he want me to use this thing? How does he want me to spend this money? How does he want me to use the different gifts and abilities that I have? Not for my glory, for my life, but for his glory, for his life. Do you think of your life that way? Us thinking about this, like how many of us, if God were to speak to us, right? If you, were, if you were to speak to us in an audible kind of way, how many of us would be able actually to render a full account of our stewardship? And how many of us might be stuck saying, uh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be prepared for this. Right? I understand that that may be the case, but, but now you know this is actually part of the good news of the gospel, you guys, is that it's that no matter where we're at in our life, if, if, if up to this point we've been prepared for this moment, it's like, okay, I'm ready to give an account of my stewardship. Maybe there are some areas in my life that I'd rather not talk to God about, but nonetheless, like, I'm, I'm ready for it. Or if we're further down the spectrum and say, actually, I've never, I've never considered it from this perspective before. I've always just kind of approached my life as though it's my own and I've been doing what I want to do or anywhere in between. Whatever it is, whenever we hear the good news of the gospel, as long as God continues giving us the breath of life, as long as he continues giving us more and more time to live, we are always capable, with his grace, to change. And so if you've never thought of it from this perspective before, that's fine. You can begin thinking of it now. Or if you've been thinking of it from this perspective, great. Continue thinking about it from this way. Because this is absolutely the case, that at the end of our lives, there is going to come a time where we are judged by Jesus, and he is going to say to us, I gave you so much grace. How did you use it? I gave you this money. I gave you this life. I gave you this ability. I gave you this talent. I gave you this family, this, this, these friends, how did you use them? How did you engage in them in such a way that you used them as though you were my steward? And for us to be prepared for that. And not just to be prepared for it, but, but to recognize, right, like that it's not something that we have to actually really be worried about. Yes, we need to be concerned about it, and we need to be understanding of like, okay, I got, I got to use this for God's glory, and if I'm not, that should maybe cause me a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of worry because I'm, I'm guilty of forgetting about God and His goodness. But at the same time, I can recognize that He's already given me what I need so that I can be prepared for that moment. We've, we've actually, we've, we actually, prayed about this, actually, in our opening college, so let me, let me read it again. O God, who founded all the commands of your sacred law upon love of you and of our neighbor, grant that by keeping your precepts, we may merit to attain eternal life. What does that mean? It means... God has given us, he says, if you want to receive eternal life, the gift that I myself want to give you, St. Paul says this, God wills that all people be saved, right? He wills this, he wishes for this, and so he says, I give to you my law, my sacred law, so that by keeping it, you can receive eternal life. How can I live confidently, trusting that God is going to keep his promise to me to give me eternal life? How can I live confidently? By keeping his laws. There's this this sort of big question then. Do you understand that God's law is a gift to you? Again, I think a lot of times, and this is is for me too, a lot of times we can hear about God's laws, we can hear about the laws of Scripture, we can hear about the laws of the church, and we can sometimes sort of feel like they're a little too burdensome, a little too cumbersome. Who is God to, to demand this of me? Or who is the church to make this demand of me? Right? God, who are you to tell me that I need to come and worship you every Sunday? God, who are you to tell me that I can't support abortion? Who are you to tell me that I can't be greedy? Who are you to tell me that I can't I can't treat people this particular way? Who are you to to tell me this or that or that? Right? So like sometimes we can we can almost like in in our pridefulness, right? Our puffed upness when we prefer to not be poor, we can sort of put our heel in the ground with God and say, "No, I'm not I'm not going any further." When in fact, It's by following his laws that he mercifully gives us, right? He doesn't have to show us the way to eternal life. He doesn't have to speak to us, and yet he does, right? And in speaking to us, it's like, okay, God, you're the only one that can lead me to eternal life. And so I I can't imagine listening to anybody else. Even though I might want to listen to myself, even though I might want to go the way of the world, I know that the world ultimately isn't going to lead me to heaven, I know that I can't lead myself to heaven, but I can only follow you to heaven because, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by you. And so as much as I might sometimes dislike your laws, Jesus, as much as sometimes they might really grind against my preferences, I see that they're actually the best gift you could have given me They're not just a gift, but they're something that I treasure more than I treasure anything else. Is this this how you see his laws? I think a lot of people don't see it that way. But again, right, this is the good news, is that you and I are invited to change our perspective. To go from thinking from a merely human way of thinking to come up to God's level And to see, first of all, how incredibly merciful he is in speaking to us, in showing us the way to eternal life. And then recognizing that he has shown us the way to eternal life to keep that way. To make it your life goal, in your stewardship of the life and the resources that God has given to you, your life goal is to say, with everything that I have, with everything that I am, I desperately want to keep the laws of God, the laws that are laid out in Scripture and the laws that are laid out in His church. Because if I do this, I can be so confident that no matter how difficult it is, no matter how challenging it is, but I can be so confident that, that what? I, I can receive the gift of eternal life and I don't, have to, I don't ever have to worry about hearing these words from him, but he says to the steward in the parable, you can no longer be my steward, but instead, instead, I can hear the words at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's, that's what I want. And so for me to give my life to knowing more and more his laws, to come to the knowledge of the truth so that I may be saved by him.